Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today is a, uh, is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day to be in the presence of the Lord. Um, it's great to see everyone again. It's been a, an interesting, interesting week um, since the last time we met on Sunday, and here we are again. So we just praise God for everyone that is in the house, for those who are um, streaming live, uh, streaming or watching us on um, various media, media platforms. And we just thank God for what he is doing in this place. Um, just a quick, no, a quick reminder, next week, Sunday, we're going to start a new series um, titled Financial Freedom. So we ask that everybody join us as we learn how God's involvement in our finances helps us to begin our financial freedom. Amen? Amen. So I look forward to that. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be exciting, going to learn some new things, and it's going to help us uh, on our journey as we uh, continue what God has called us to do. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, um, please, let's look at Psalm chapter 95, verses 1 through 11. It's going to be our uh, text for this Sunday. Psalm chapter 95, verses 1 through 11. And I'm reading out of the NASB. It says, Come, let's sing for joy to Yahweh. Let's shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let's come before his presence with a song of thanksgiving. Let's shout joyfully to him in songs with instruments. For Yahweh is a great God and a great king above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are also his, the sea is his, for it was he who made it. And his hands formed the dry ground. Verse 6, come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before Yahweh, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Massa in the wilderness. Verse 9, when your fathers put me to the test, they tested me though they had seen, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I was disgusted with that generation and said they are a people who err in their heart and do, they do not know my ways. Therefore, I swore in my anger, they certainly shall not enter my rest. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be before your presence as a community once again. And as a congregation, Father God, we are, we have it in our desires to worship you, to know you, to grow in you, to become mature and truly represent your son, Jesus Christ. We ask, Father God, that you will speak to us today um, through your word. We pray, Father God, that 
um, that as people are watching us from far and those that are present in this room, that as your word is going forth, that you will touch each and every one of us in the ways that we need to be touched in order to come, in order to acknowledge that you are truly our God and that, um, and that we, should know, we, should be, we should be, we should know you as your people. And so Father God, we just pray that you will speak through me um, that you will open the hearings of each and every person that's listening. Pray that your word will go forth and that this will be an opportunity for us to have an amazing encounter with you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. The title of today's message is called His Resting Place. Um, we've been talking a lot about the subject of going through change. Pastor Laria, a couple of weeks ago, um, they spoke about the changes that everyone experiences. One day you could be at the top of the mountain um, experiencing the, the, and enjoying the good things in life, and the next day you could be at the bottom of the valley experiencing the woes of life. These are all due to the changes that we encounter as the people who live in this world that is moving forward. As Sam Cooke was saying, a change is going to come. Pastor then continued on, the, on, this, on, on this particular subject matter. We're talking about what it's going to take to be able to withstand the changes in life. So I want to be able to continue on this trajectory and, and call the title of this sermon his resting place. As you already know, the global community has been experiencing the pandemic of the coronavirus, also known as COVID-19. We hear about COVID so much that you start to feel like COVID is a member of your family. <laughs> and, in the, and in the midst of all these circumstances, we are yet again in the middle of an intense election season in which we have the opportunity to choose who will steward this nation for the next four years. So if you have not voted and you are eligible to vote, Make your voice heard by going to the polls this Tuesday. I've been, I've been getting texts left and right from all these organizations that have been reminding me to go out and vote. I mean, and it's been ridiculous. I don't know if you've been getting those same texts. I've been getting them every day from like four or five different organizations. Go out and vote. Go out and vote. Please make your vote heard. <laughs> And in the midst of that, we're also still dealing in this nation with issues regarding justice and policing. And then for those of us in the Nigerian community, there has been this uprising in regards to the brutal use of force and improper conduct by the SARS, uh, SARS task force in Nigeria, in which young people and future generations are saying, no more, there must be change. And so we are constantly seeing things that are happening all around us that, in a sense, are forcing changes to happen. It is impossible for the citizens of the country, as well as the citizens of the global community, to stay in the same and stay in this in the midst of all these things that it stay the same in the midst of all these things that confront us. We're called to change. 
And so I, I wanted to talk about who we are in the midst of change and our connection with God through all this change. One thing that we know for sure is that Yahweh did not create us and place us in this world for the sole purpose of seeing us suffer. He did not design this life to be a life of, of strife or a life of struggle and brokenness. Matter of fact, Yahweh, the great king, according to Psalms 89, verse 14, says that it says that he does what is right because he is righteous. He is full of what is right. Psalm 89, verse 14 declares, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before you. He is not like our politicians. He is not like Joe Biden or, or, Donald, Trump, or Donald Trump. You can, call on, uh, you can call on all the fact checkers and you will find no deceit in Yahweh. The very nature of the God that we serve is that he is good. The issues of this life, the pain, the hatred, the division, the inequality, the inequities, human trafficking, etc. All these are conditions that have been birthed as a result of a fallen nature and a broken world. People often ask if, if God is real, then how, could, how, could, how come evil exists? Why is it that bad things happen to good people? I mean, just yesterday I was reading in a news story in which a man who was suffering from mental illness uh, threw his seven-week-year-old infant daughter out of a two-story balcony. And the question that most skeptics would ask is, how can an all-powerful God allow such things to happen? And the answer is quite simple. This world is broken and corrupt. The human heart is broken and corrupt. And God allows wicked men to freely express their choice because he created us as free moral agents, that he allows us to freely express our choice. And the only hope for this world is complete surrender to God through Jesus Christ. It is God's desire that his people experience him above and beyond what this world has to offer. He wants us to enter into his rest. I know that there's some people that are in this room and those who are watching us right now through various media platforms that just want to have rest and be free from all the bondage and, and free from all the, the mental and, 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 and physical stress that are in life. They want to experience spiritual and mental and physical freedom, free from physical bondages. There are people who hate waking up every morning because they have lost all hope. They need to experience Yahweh's rest. We know that according to the scriptures that God created the heavens and the earth and on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. The concept of rest is, a, is associated with Yahweh. This is why when Yahweh delivered Israel out of Egypt, he gave them his laws as a means of revealing himself to Israel. And embedded in his law is the Sabbath. When he mentions his Sabbath, it's a reminder to Israel that he is creator. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Let's go there quickly. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day 
to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath for the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle, or your, or, or your sojourner who stays with you. Verse 11, for in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In other words, he is emphasizing the simple fact that Yahweh is the creator, and therefore, because Yahweh rested on the on the Sabbath, his children, who he was, you know, calling Israel to be his children, should rest on the Sabbath as a way of identifying himself as one who is the God of these people. Also, he's reminding us that he, he's reminding Israel that he is their deliverer. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15. Still talking about the Sabbath, but he says something different. He says that you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and Yahweh your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by, the, by an outstretched arm. Therefore, Yahweh your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. In one, in, in, in one place, the Sabbath is connected to the fact that he is the creator. In the other place, the Sabbath is connected to the fact that he is their deliverer. And he wants Israel to experience him. Notice that they could not experience him while they were in bondage to another ruler. His rest could not be experienced while they were enslaved to sin and death. You must be liberated in order to experience his rest. It is about knowing that you are free and that Yahweh is your God. Now, as we just read in, in Psalm 95, we see that at the very end, the, the mention of his, at the very end, the mention of his rest in verse 11, in which God says, therefore I swore in my anger, they certainly shall not enter my rest. Well, why would God prohibit them from entering his rest? Before we discuss why, they, why there were those who did not enter his rest, let us first understand what is this rest. The word rest is, is here in the original language is the Hebrew word menuha, which means a place where repose and rest from tiredness with a focus on the space occupied as well as to be in a content and satisfied state as a figurative extension of a place of rest. In other words, this is not just a cease from activity, but rather a location where you can enjoy rest. Another way of looking at it is going beyond the day of rest to a state of being at rest, the resting place. Psalm 95 speaks of the people who were delivered from Egypt on a journey towards the promised land or Menuha, the resting place. God's resting place is a location that is intended to be free of worry, free of distress, free a place where we can experience the abundant life of God and his good pleasures. God's desire is for us to experience his Menuha, his, his resting place. 
However, the Holy Spirit is letting us know that there were those who he swore would not enter into his manuha, his, his resting place. And the difference between the ones who, who, could, who could not enter his resting place in comparison to the ones who did was a matter of belief. Psalm 97 verse 7 says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah. The word harden in the Hebrew means to be unyielding, resisting in an event or lacking humility before a superior, which in this passage was directed towards Yahweh's leadership through Moses at Meribah. Meribah is a, is a place of strife. In Exodus 17, when they camped at Rephidim, the Israelites were causing strife by quarreling with Moses to the point where Moses' safety was in jeopardy. Why? They did not trust Yahweh. They did not believe that God who delivered them from Egypt, delivered them from bondage, delivered them from oppression, was somehow, it was some, was somehow uh, capable of bringing them into his resting place. They answered the altar call, leave Egypt. They answered the altar call, grab your belongings, leave this place, come to the place that I, your God, is going to show you. They answered the altar call, they crossed the Red Sea. Not one person died leaving Egypt because God kept them. However, the minute they came across an obstacle, they turned against Yahweh. They never trusted God. Their faith was not in the miracle worker. Their faith was in his miracles. Their hearts were still in a place of bondage, a place of oppression. When there are no miracles being displayed, they began revolting and wishing they were in Egypt. It reminds us of church these days. If, if church would be packed out if we had miracles, if, if there was healing and, and blind eyes were being opened and people were being, uh, being uh, free from, uh, from sickness and people being raised from the dead, this place would not have a problem being packed out. If we had miracles, we wouldn't have to, uh, we wouldn't have to put a lot of money towards marketing. Why? Because all, they, all you would have to do is have one or two people to say that, hey, this is a place where miracles are occurring. Please, you got to come and see what's going on here. And there will be people, droves from droves and droves of people who will be coming to World Outreach Church for All Nations because this is a place where there's miracles. The congregation in the wilderness was only with Moses as long as Moses was producing miracles. They were missing the fact that Yahweh delivered them from bondage so that he can deliver them into his resting place. Do you desire to be in his resting place, a place where the presence of God is enough for you? where your faith is not built upon living from breakthrough to breakthrough because many people will come to church service and answer the, and answer the altar call because they're trying to escape something or have a need for something but will not fully submit their lives to God through Christ Jesus. So their salvation is good as long as the miracles are good. They're with God as long as there's good times. They're with God as long as there is water being supplied and there's, there's food in the refrigerator. 
They're with God as long as their bills are being paid, as long as they still have a house to live in. They're with God. But when, when, when problems come, where are they? Where are they? When issues arise, you find them either going to another church in search of a, of a, of a miracle or giving up on Jesus Christ completely. How often do you hear people at one time that claim to be Christians and years later question if Christ existed? I know there's one lady, her name is Jen Fishburne, and this is public knowledge. You can go on YouTube. This lady, when I was first watching her video clip, I mean, she talked about all the great things that she was doing. She led Bible studies here and there, and, and people from uh, different places of life were coming to her Bible studies. She was holding conferences, and, and I mean, there was, and, and people were starting to come to the Lord at those conferences. I mean, she testified of all these great things. However, she hit a bump in the road, and now she questions, does Jesus Christ, does Jesus Christ even exist? She says that, oh, now he's, he, he was just a figment of the imagination. There's no historical evidence that Jesus Christ ever walked this earth. This was somebody who led Bible conferences, who went from teacher after teacher, who would basically build upon her knowledge of the word of God, and now she questions if this word is even authentic. They came to Christ when their life was going downhill, but as soon as their prayers, and as soon, they came to Christ because their life was going downhill, but as soon as their prayers were answered, you don't see them anymore until they hit another roadblock in life. That's the other issue. But those who are truly his have a different attitude altogether because they trust Yahweh. They know that being with Yahweh is better than living in bondage and oppression. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's amazing how you have a difference of people that show up in church every morning. You have those who are here because of the breakthroughs that they hear about, about the miracles they see, and then you have those who are here because they know nothing else but the God that they serve. And I hope that that is our testimony as World Outreach, that, that, that we are here because we know the God that we serve, that whether we see a breakthrough happening or a breakthrough never happens, we are quite content in following the God that we serve. It's one of the reasons why I don't really get impressed a lot of times when people come to the altar, uh, come to an altar call, I like seeing people uh, raise their hands when, and, and say that, you know, I, I want Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I love that. That's one of the things that kind of gives me a thrill uh, on a Sunday morning is seeing someone make, the, uh, make a decision or declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and want to ask Jesus Christ to come into their life and to live out their life and to live out their life for them. I get excited when I see that, but I'm not necessarily moved by that. And when I mean not necessarily moved, I'm, that's not my, that is not my testimony uh, week after week after week about what happened two or, three year, or three, two or three weeks ago when somebody gave their life to Christ. No, what moves me is when I see that same person commit to discipleship. Now we know that they're serious about that commitment that they made. 
It's one thing to make the altar call. That's what, e that's what they did when they left Egypt. Moses, Moses said, hey, we're leaving this place. God has spoke to me. God has sent me here to deliver you. We are leaving this place. Israel, they had no problems. They left Egypt. They, they proclaimed our time of deliverance is now. They left Egypt. However, when it came to the wilderness, the place of discipleship, the place where their faith was being tested, what was actually in them is what came out. So how the scripture says that God says that, hey, they didn't know my ways. In other words, they really didn't know me. They were content in leaving a place where they felt was doing them wrong, but they were not content in knowing who I am. But his people, his people, different story. They know that being with Yahweh is, is better than living in bondage and depression. And look at, look at, what, what, look at, what, what, look at what those who place their trust in Yahweh do. And I got five, five minutes and 44 seconds left. <laughs> Psalm chapter 95, verses one, to, one through two. It says, come, let's sing for joy to Yahweh. Let's shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let's come before his presence with a song of thanksgiving. Let's shout joyfully to, his, to him in songs with instruments. The people that are truly Yahweh's, they worship Yahweh. That is their, their, they worship Yahweh. They're not moved by circumstances. Their attitude is conditioned for worship. All I want to do is worship Yahweh. I don't care about what's going on around me. I just want to worship you, God. I just want to fellowship with you, God, because I know that come hell or high water, as long as I'm fellowship, fellowshipping with you, there is nothing in this world that can destroy me. And even if it destroys me, I'm in your presence. You're more than enough. You're all that I need. I don't need another miracle. I just need more of you. They worship Yahweh. What, what, what other things do people that trust in Yahweh do? Verse three, through five, three to five says, for, for Yahweh is a great God, a great king above all gods in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountain are also his. The sea is his for it was he who made it and his hands formed the dry land, they testify and bear witness to his greatness. In other words, if he did it before, he can do it again. <laughs> he created all this. It takes him nothing to create another planet if it came down to it. It takes nothing for him to create a new opportunity for me if he, if he desires it. Why? Because he's a great God. He's a great king. He owns all this. All this is his. Mm. They testify. They bear witness to his greatness. Circumstances don't dissuade them because they've seen a great God at work. People that are truly his worship Yahweh. Two, they testify and bear witness to his greatness. Three, verse seven, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. In other words, they have a relationship with Yahweh. They don't just worship Yahweh. 
They don't just testify and bear witness to his greatness. They have a relationship with him. They identify themselves with Yahweh. He is our shepherd. We're his sheep. Jesus, in, in, in John chapter 10, he, he's talking to, the, uh, talking to those who are questioning whether he was truly the son of God, questioning, why he, uh, questioning his authority, questioning his authenticity as the Messiah. He says, my sheep know my voice. He said, I'm the great shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. My sheep know my, uh, know my voice. They will not follow after another. They can be in a place of, of contention. They can be in a place of strife. But my sheep, they're not going anywhere. They're staying with me. They know who I am. They know that I am the great God. They know I'm, I'm the one that delivered Israel out of Egypt. They know that I'm the one that brought Israel through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. They know that when I say something, I'm going to do what I say. They know that when I speak words, my words are guaranteed to come to pass. They know me. They have a relationship with me. Those that are truly his worship Yahweh, testify and bear witness to his greatness, and they have a relationship with Yahweh. See, those who did not enter into Yahweh's rest missed the opportunity because they chose to allow their circumstances to determine their relationship with God, whereas those who entered into his resting place entered because they trust God for their deliverance and because they trusted Yahweh, Yahweh so therefore obstacles and challenges did not dissuade them from entering into his resting place. Here is the crux of all this. As the people of God, every day we are placed in situations and scenarios that can impact our faith in God. That is just life. For me, I got a job that, that makes really good money, and my supervisor told me, I mean, this job, when I tell you I felt very secure at this place. One, it's, in a great, it's with a great organization. Two, they appreciated my work ethics. I mean, I'm valued, and they let me know that every time that I'm valued, that when I came on board, I was able to get a lot of things moving that have been kind of at a standstill for a very long time. But just last week, the supervisor told me, or actually two weeks ago, the supervisor told me that after this project has concluded, that I will need to look elsewhere because they will not need my particular skill sets anymore. At this current state, our household is down to one income, and on the 13th of November, our, well, what would have been our main source of income is, is, going to be, uh, is going to be pretty much is going to come to an end. This project that I'm on is done. This is my, my reality at this present moment. I don't know about you, but this is my reality at this present moment. I am like the Israelites that are camped in Rephidim. I, I can let this place become a place of strife and, and contention by not trusting in Yahweh, or I can live according to his promises in Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ, and enter into his resting place where there is restoration and liberation. I don't know what is going to happen come next week. I'm not going to know what's going to happen come two weeks from now, but what I do know is that I'm a child of God, and I cannot forget all that he has done for me. I will bless Yahweh at all times. I will praise Yahweh at all times, and his praise shall continuously be in my mouth. Let us pray. Father God, I just want to thank you.
I thank you because you are God. I thank you because you're the one who delivered. I thank you because you're the one who created this world. And that as big as this earth is, you had enough room, enough capacity to focus on me and call me your child. I thank you for what you are doing in this place. And so, Father God, I, I just ask, Father God, for those who are, who are going through either similar challenges or are facing moments of despair, that you will remind them constantly that you have a resting place for them, that they will know who you are. And Father God, we just pray for those who do not know you as their father, who do not know your son, Jesus Christ, as their savior, and do not know your Holy Spirit as the one who empowers them to face, to wake up every morning. Father God, we just ask that you will touch their hearts right now, that they will know you like they've never known you before. We pray that they will commit their life to you and become disciples of your word. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you.